Amen. What a beautiful prayer. Come to my heart, Lord Jesus. And I hope that that's the prayer that you have lifted up today or at some point in your life. That's what it's all about. Well, there are a lot of stories, uh, uh, fictional stories that surround the Christmas season. And I know one of the most popular ones is Charles Dickens' uh, 1843 novel, A Christmas Carol. And we're all familiar with Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, who is this kind of old, bitter, cold-hearted miser that uh, it, it, he just uh, is a mean dude. And uh, one night he's having this dream and, and uh, he has an encounter supposedly with Christmas past and, and he sees how his life was and, and then he has an encounter with Christmas present and he gets to, to see things that he's been missing and then he has an encounter with Christmas yet to be. And all of that changes him. Uh, by the time he wakes up on Christmas morning, he's a different person. And he becomes a, a generous person. He discovers joy. And, and that changed him. Well, uh, we, you know, aside from the fictional story of Scrooge, we know that, that any encounter, any person who encounters, not necessarily the spirit of Christmas, but any person who encounters Christ can be transformed can be changed radically. See, Christ uh, can turn a bitter person into a sweet person. He can turn an angry person into a joyful person. He can turn a hater into a lover. He can turn a skeptic into a believer. He can turn a greedy person into a generous person. We have been talking this month uh, in our series about the big give, the fact that the biggest gift that we have ever received is Christ. That God so loved the world that he gave. And in that gift, we <clears throat> have received hope and we have received peace. We have received love. We have received joy. And as we receive that gift and as we experience that, we're transformed. We're changed. We, we, we are receivers, but then we also become givers. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the big give. And we're going to go to a story that's familiar to all of us. It's found in Matthew chapter 2. It is the story of, of the Magi who come from the east and, and they bring gifts. And, and I want you to notice that their motivation, their purpose for their trip to Jerusalem and then Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until he stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. 
Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The, the Magi's purpose was stated up front. It was to worship the newborn king of the Jews. They brought gifts to Jesus, but their gifts were an act of worship. And their worship was a, a response to God's gift to them. That, that's my grandson, by the way. He's competing with me. Uh, God had revealed to the Magi that, that the Savior had been born. That was his gift to them. It was a gift of, of revelation, of, of showing them this incredible event. And I want you to see how the Magi respond. The first thing they do is they looked at the sky. The Magi were learned men who, who studied the stars back in that day. They, they studied the, uh, the skies and the constellations. They studied humanity and history. They were interested in every form of knowledge. They, they weren't just kind of specialists in one science, if you would. They, they, they were kind of Renaissance people, uh, even if that's anachronistic. But it, it was the sense that, that they were just hungry for knowledge. And, and they were looking at the sky. They were from the east. That means that they probably came from Arabia or Babylon. And somewhere along the way, they had had contact with Jewish culture because they were Gentiles. They were not Jews. They saw this particular star, the Bible tells us, and they believed that he had something to do with the birth of the king of the Jews, which is interesting because they themselves were not Jews. You see, the Jews had been anticipating a Messiah for centuries. They had been waiting for one who would rule like King David, but not just the Jews. Other nations were also longing for a king, a king who would bring peace, a king who would be just. And some of them had learned about this hope of the Jewish people, this promise of a Messiah, and they were waiting for him too. And so the Magi see the appearing of the star, and they see a connection with the birth of Christ. Listen, this is not a coincidence. This is not a superstition of the Magi. It is God intentionally communicating to them as they're looking to the sky, as they're paying attention. I love the song that sometimes we sing around this season. Said, it goes like this, set the night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? A star, a star dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite, with a tail as big as a kite. Set the little lamb to the shepherd boy. Do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy. Do you hear what I hear? A song, a song high above the tree with a voice as big as the sea, with a voice as big as the sea. Said the shepherd boy to the shepherd, to the mighty king, do you know what I know? In your palace wall, mighty king, do you know what I know? A child, a child, shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Let us bring him silver and gold. You see, not everyone was paying attention. I love the song because it's, do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? See, it's talking about there are some people that pay attention to the events and there are some who don't. God is always revealing himself. God is always speaking, but not everybody is listening. 
Not everybody's looking, the Magi were. They were looking at the sky. Secondly, they learned from the scriptures. They assumed that the king of the Jews would be born in the capital of Judah, which was Jerusalem. So they go to Jerusalem and they start asking around, where is this baby that was born who's supposed to be the king of the Jews? And they ask around, and here's the, the, the irony of it. These are foreigners, Gentiles, coming from a land far away to Jerusalem to ask about the king of the Jews, and nobody in Jerusalem seems to know. No one in Jerusalem is aware that this baby has been born, that the king of the Jews, that the Messiah has arrived. It's an interesting thing. Now, when Herod hears that they've been asking around, Herod becomes very, very upset. Herod was this tetrarch, this, this ruler that was placed there by the Roman government. He was narcissistic. He was power hungry. He was a ruthless king. He would do anything to stay in power. He even killed one of his wives and killed some of his children because they threatened his opportunity to be king. So when he hears these foreigners come and ask about a baby who's supposed to be the king of the Jews, he's upset. And all Jerusalem with him. Listen, if you have a crazy king, when he gets nervous, everybody gets nervous. And, and, and so here they are, and Herod is determined to find out who this potential challenger to the throne is, that he calls all the Jewish scholars together to find out when the Messiah was to be born. That is really remarkable to me, the fact that Herod says the Messiah. He knows that the Bible talks about a Messiah. And, and, and he knows that the Bible tells where he should be born. Isn't it funny that Herod believes the Bible? He believes that the Bible can speak to where the Messiah was going to be born. And he wants to find out, but for the wrong reasons. Providentially, in their search of the scriptures, when the, when the, when the scholars find out that he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem, that's how the Magi find out. And that's how God is revealing himself to the Magi. You see, they first looked to the sky and they saw a star. But then they went to the scriptures and they learned from the scriptures the exact place where he was to be born. And I think that's the way that God reveals himself to everybody. People seek him. People are looking for him. People are paying attention. And they begin to search. And, and, and God reveals himself little by little until he leads us to the scriptures. And they, they make their trip to Bethlehem. And God confirms that, that, that trip by using the star. And it stops in front of the house. And, and when they get to the house, not the stable... They're not at the stable anymore. That, that situation uh, was a, an emergency situation, but a lot of time has passed. The shepherds are gone. Now Mary and Joseph and the baby are in a house. The, the, the child has grown some, and, and the Magi arrive, and when they see the star, they are overjoyed. Herod is nervous and upset. Jerusalem is nervous and upset, but the Magi are happy. You know why they're happy? Because God has continued to guide them. God has continued to confirm and reveal to them his plan. And now finally, after traveling so long, after studying so long, after researching so long, after asking around so much, they finally arrive at the place where the child and his mother are. God had given them the gift of knowledge. God had given them the gift of revelation. God had given them the gift of a successful journey and they are elated that they have arrived. And that leads us to the third thing that the Magi do. 
they listen to the Spirit. As soon as they saw the child, the Bible says they bowed down and worshipped him. This is very common in, in that era for royalty, to bow down and all the way your face to the ground and to worship him. Now, I wonder how Mary felt. Here, here Mary has gone through some really interesting things, staying at the stable, putting her newborn baby in a manger. Now she's at a house. She's had these angel appearances before she conceived. But, but now uh, she's there and perhaps having questions. And these foreigners, this caravan of foreigners come with, with all their pomp and circumstance. And they bow down and worship the baby. No one in Jerusalem, no one in Jerusalem, no one in Judea had recognized Joseph and Mary as a royal family. But here comes these foreigners and they give him the honor due to a king. And there is a worship that, that leads us to believe there's something special about this child, this king who is worthy of worship. And their worship is accompanied by giving. They open their treasures and they offered him presents of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These are very special gifts, very expensive gifts from different parts of the world. They are gifts of generosity. They are gifts that are fit for a king. And what this shows us is how do the Magi know that this is the king? How, how do they know to bring him these gifts? How do they know to worship him? Well, it's the spirit that's guiding them. And they're listening to the spirit. Even upon their return, the spirit speaks to them and says, don't go back to Herod. He doesn't want to worship the baby. He wants to kill him. So they listen and they go a different way. Herod had, had asked them to come back to Jerusalem to tell him exactly where the child was so that he could go and worship him, but he was lying. One of the Bible scholars says, the power structures of neither religion nor world were on the side of Jesus. Only one king, Herod, is mentioned, and he tried to kill him. But the Spirit of God has been speaking to the Jews through the prophets, through the angels, through events. But it's not the Jews who worship Jesus first. It is the Gentiles it was foreigners from the east who have listened to the Spirit. It was Magi who experienced the gift of seeing the newborn king of Jews. And it was the Magi who offered this first act of worship. Isaiah had prophesied that. If you go to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, you, you'll read this. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people's. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah and all from Shiva will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. What an incredible prophecy 
that, that, that tells us that it was God's plan from the beginning, not to just, not to send a savior just for the Jews, but to send a savior for all the nations. And that all the nations will come and worship him. And here, the Magi represent all the nations. It is a prelude to this unfolding plan of redemption that, that ends with saying, go to all the nations and make disciples. Go to all the peoples, pantata ethne, to every people group. The Magi show us God's plan to save the nations. The Magi show us that worship is expressed by giving your whole self. They weren't content with just hearing the news. They weren't content to be passive recipients of the good news. They, they, they left their home, they went, they traveled, and they gave of themselves in worship. They gave of their talent, they gave of their time, and they gave of their treasure. Their talent, meaning their knowledge of the stars and history, they gave that, and God spoke to them in that. And, and you too, you and I, can give the gift of talent to Christ the King. Your, your knowledge, your profession, your skills, your talents can be offered to him, can be offered to the King so that he can be praised, so that he can be worshipped. They gave up their time. You know that Herod figured out that it had been almost two years since they had seen the star appear and they had began their journey. It took months for them to get there, and finally they got there. They gave of their time. They thought it was worth coming all the way from the east to the little town of Bethlehem. They weren't content with knowing the news remotely. They had to be in person. They gave of their time, and you and I can give of our time to the Lord as a gift, our time in worship, our time alone with him, our time in service to him. And then they gave of their treasure. They gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave of their possessions. And you and I can do the same thing. We can give of our possessions as a response to the greatest gift that we've ever received. When we give to God, it's not just about meeting budgets or about reaching some kind of goal. When we give to God, it's an act of worship. That's what it was for the Magi. And that's what it can be for us as well. You know, when we think about the story of Ebenezer Scrooge and how he was delivered from his greed, his loneliness, his joylessness, and he became someone who was generous, who was joyful. We know too that when we encounter Christ, he can transform us, that we can experience the joy of generosity, that we can give back to God from our talent, from our time, and our treasure. How will you give back to the King of Kings this Christmas? Bow with me in prayer. Father, we thank you for the gift that you've given us in Christ. We thank you for the story of the Magi. We thank you, Father, for all that we have in you. And we pray that this Christmas we would learn to be generous with you to give back to you like the Magi did. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen.